a lot of people go into events because their advertising businesses are kind of screwed up. I, explain what your team looks like, because it, it, there's a lot of different ways to, to do this. The logistics that go into putting on events is astounding. It is a details business. So how do you integrate the sponsors in the events and still maintain them to be editorially driven? So it sounds like it's not necessarily ticket driven for most of these events. If you don't have the right people in the room, you don't have much of an event. Welcome to our second bonus episode of the Digiday podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. Every week on the show, you hear from digital media executives about the strategies they are taking. But strategies are one thing, execution is another. In this five-episode series, we're publishing bonus episodes that go into the weeds of building a sustainable media business. In this episode, we look at what goes into a successful event strategy. I sat down with Margaret Lowe, the president of Atlantic Live, the events business of The Atlantic. We discuss how to create events at scale, how to organize a team around events, and much more. Margaret, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to go deep in events. This is something that I, 10 years ago, never thought I would be so deeply involved in events, but that is how things go. So we can geek out together. We can geek out together. So let's let's get started. So you came to Atlantic to to be president of the the events division called Atlantic Live four and a half years ago. Right, September twenty fourteen. What first of all, you were at NPR, SVP right. of News. What made you switch in some ways to the events side? So um, I'd spent most of my adult life at NPR and loved it, and was sort of was the part of the fabric of my being. And I also knew at some point that I was eager to do something new. And I had met um, my now colleagues at the Atlantic several years before, even before I became um, head of the news division. I had always mm-hmm. known it, read it, um, but I was so drawn to the people there, their imagination, their sensibility. And I remember telling my predecessor, long before it was even a twinkle in my eye, you know, if I ever left NPR and I had no idea that I would, I'd love to come to the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. And she sort of kept that in her mind. And when she decided to leave, she told our chairman, "Um, I'm leaving. I mean, it was obviously a more complicated conversation than this, but I'm leaving and I think I know the person who should take over, which was interesting because she came from a publishing background and I came from an editorial background. So what was the big change of going from a news background to... Events in in a news organization, but events are a different beast. Yeah, I think probably talking about where there is connection first makes sense, which is that um, it was about uh, an editorial first proposition, sort of what are the biggest and most compelling issues of our time and how can we in some ways tell those stories in a way that counts. And um, there is is huge component of sort of um, sort of searing editorial um, purpose of quality production and of the experience of the audience that is totally sort of symmetrical with what happens when you're especially in radio, which is that you have to grab people at hello make them lean forward in their seats and pay very close attention mm-hmm. to what's happening on the stage. And I, and you know, in this sort of incredibly cacophonous moment, I found that the idea of actually bringing to get people together to have conversations that count felt 
like a, a really appear, appealing undertaking. And it was sort of at the moment when events sort of in our business were on the yes. ascent. Now, events in our business became, went into that ascent. I would argue kind of like the pivot to video. It was being driven by monetization, not right. necessarily by audience and editorial concerns. But what you're saying is you view events first and foremost as an editorial product because I, I think a lot of times they're monetization products. I think that's heart. right. Well, I would say the person who built the Atlantic's events business did a brilliant job and understood it as a, a business and real added value to sponsors. And part of my charge when I came in was to deepen the relationship to the newsroom, to the editorial team, and to the to the work itself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think people, and, and you know, you do a lot of events yourselves, it's hard, right? And it's like, it's not an easy cash register. I think people have this All notion. All businesses are hard. <laughs> right, that's true. If there, are that, any, if there are any like easy businesses left out there. Let I us want, know. I want someone to, <laughs> right. you know, just tweet at me, be Marcy. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, no, you're totally right. Um, but I think there's a an idea anyway that we, everybody has to do events and that events are an it's a easy box way to, to check. It's a yeah. box to check. And um, I think what is magnificent about the way we're able to do events is that they really are editorial first and where there is um, our, our sweet spot is when there's a sort of urgent issue or something that people are talking about or grappling with in a meaningful way that is editorially rich and ripe for convening and where you actually have businesses who want to be associated with that conversation. That's where we do our very best. Mm -hmm. And so it is both editorial, but it is also, we are also a commercial enterprise. Sure. So let's talk about the model first, Um, because usually when I talk with people, they say, oh my God, you do a lot of events. And now I'm talking with someone who actually does more events than we do. Yeah. Uh, You do a hundred. Give or take. Yeah. We do a lot. It's up there. We might as well just round. We do a lot. We do a lot. We are, Um, we are, I I think it's fair to say that we're prolific. Okay. Um, That comes with its own challenges. Right. Yeah. But you also do large events and you do small events. Correct. So it's not like one or the other. Explain the portfolio. You've got big ones. Big ones. Okay. Like that's that's the Aspen Ideas. That's Aspen Ideas, which we do in partnership with the Aspen Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, our biggest uh, solo event uh, is now called the Atlantic Festival. It was Washington Ideas for nine years until it became the Atlantic Festival in October. Um, Aspen is a, is a right. partner, but it is our... Enterprise. And, and that's we, thousands of people. That's thousands of people. Okay. And then we do um, City Lab, which is a gathering of mayors from across the country and around the world. And we do that in collaboration with Aspen and Bloomberg. And those are our, our three sort of major events. City Lab is, I mean, each of them are, they sort of have the, if you do a Venn diagram, they're alike because it's lots and lots of people and it's big and it's, um, but they're very, very different enterprises as well with very different models. City Lab is invitation only. We're inviting mayors from across the country and around the world and their, some of their top staff and urban experts and we bring them to wherever we are and it's invitation only. And so, you know, we began in New York, then LA, then London, Miami, Paris. This year we were in Detroit, and next year we'll go overseas again. Okay. And the business models for each of these, I'm sure, are slightly different. They're all slightly different. 
Okay, so walk me through the di- the main different types of business models. So um, essentially, we're in business with Aspen at Aspen Ideas Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, we both actually uh, are, are part of the commercial enterprise. Both reach out to underwriters and sponsors. Um, we call them underwriters, mm-hmm. and that's what fuels the business. There also there's also it's sponsor driven. It's sponsor driven and t- and ticket driven and tickets. At City Lab, um, Bloomberg, the Bloomberg um, Philanthropies, um, is a supporter of the enterprise and helps us build it. And then the Atlantic raises all the um, underwriter revenue. Okay. And we produce it with Aspen and Bloomberg, and they're just they're they're revenue shares. Okay, so it sounds like it's not necessarily ticket driven for most of these events. No, in fact, um, I mean even at the Atlantic Festival, and I. I don't want to shout this from the mountaintops, but it's, you know, tickets are a rounding error. Yeah. Um, we'd so rather... Ex- explain that because we're coming out of this period, and, and let's a lot of people go into events because their advertising businesses are kind of screwed up right? In, in reality. And they're looking at events as a way to get out of that, but then it's like, wait, you're right you're right, you're right back in it. It's a different type of, of advertising. Right. It's a sponsorship. It's not direct revenue from from your audience. Correct. So... I just described one bucket of our business or several things within one large bucket, our festival business. Um, the, let me go to the next tier, and I can go back and sort okay. of link the two. But so the, the, the next tier of events that we produce are what I would call sort of weighty editorial topics. So everything from the future of work to cancer to... Um, Pulse, which is our healthcare summit, to an education summit, to race and justice. Um, those are single topic, one day vertical summits. Our biggest ambition is to get the right people in the room for a conversation and to get enough of those right people in the room for a conversation. So that if we were to begin to say this is ticketed only, we'd actually sort of be fighting against our right. our purpose. And so those are all sponsor driven. And those are sponsors that want to be associated with the subject matter that we're covering and want to be engaged with an audience that is an expert audience. When I'm describing that middle tier of weighty editorial topics, we want the right people in the room. So because it was last week, the people v. cancer. Um, And, you know, we had a combination of physicians and patient advocates and nurses and survivors and family members and insurers and pharma companies um, and we want all of those people mm-hmm. in the room because it creates a kind of dia- dynamic that is different in kind than any oncology conference. Right. What makes our business both fascinating and hard is we, um, A, because we, are, and you do this too, I mean, many events, um, enterprises have to address this, which is you're dealing with expert audiences, mm-hmm. right? So you have to be at the forefront of the topics that you cover. Um, other, we don't cover as many topics as you right. do. Right. We're, 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 we're broad. Yeah. I mean, we are broad. I mean, we have a lot of editors with subject matter expertise. Yeah. and we, Programmatic is a little challenging, but it's not like going from you know, future work to cancer right, to right. politics. So it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting marriage of what feels urgent um, in the world, what feels like a really consequential issue in the world and editorially relevant and something that we could do well in a way that's distinct 
um, and knowing or believing or hoping um, that there are underwriters who would actually want to participate. And so we um, blew sky a lot about here's what we'd love to do. And we take it out and we talk to people. And if there's interest, we, we, we go. I mean, look, I mean, quality should reign, um, R-E-I-G-N. Um, quality should be the paramount um, goal. And, you know, we often look at our event mix and want to do, you know, we want to do things that are exceptional and that the audience experience is exquisite and that makes people want to come back again and again, whether they're a, a, an attendee, a speaker, or a sponsor. Yeah. And the fit the brand. Like, not everything fits the brand. I mean, the, the Atlantic is a fairly elastic brand. But, right, like, right. if you're doing something on blockchain because you think IBM will sponsor it, it's just not going to probably... Right, although, I mean, I, I would say that blockchain probably isn't out of our orbit, or it's certainly something <laughs> so that... maybe you are. I don't but, know. But, but, you know, we probably won't do anything on dentistry anytime soon. Okay, dentistry. Or programmatic advertising. Right, right. Good. Right. <laughs> And we actually, you know, we in some ways gently are giving our editors beats, right? So we have one producer working in concert with others who's really mm. become a healthcare beat expert. And so she did Pulse, our healthcare summit. She did cancer. So so she's gotten way more than more sophisticated than the rest of us. And she spends, right. you know, our, 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 our producers spend months on, in the best circumstances really reporting the mm -hmm. story and understanding what the biggest issues are. So on that, I explain what your team looks like because it, it, there's a lot of different ways to, to do this. Um, right. but you have 50 people, so it's more of what I would consider um, like a vertical solution. Right, and it is. you have it all. I mean, I think I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm attached to this because I know it well, and I see how it works, and I see that I, it's a differentiator, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like to believe it's a differentiator. Um, we have an editorial team that is all producers, and, and they are reporting and booking and shaping, you know, for example, the Cancer Summit, which we did last week, and mm -hmm. sort of from beginning to middle to end. Are they journalists? They are journalists, okay. yes. They're not like event planners. Nothing They're against not. the event planners, but you have different people that do event We have planning. different, and, and, and the event planners' jobs, and, and we're all in this same business, right? We all understand the power of the live medium, mm -hmm. which is different in kind. It's equal parts editorial, it's experience, it's, it's theatrical, Right. I mean, it you is. have to keep people engaged. You have to keep people in the room. I mean, the biggest fear is that, like, you put on a show and nobody comes. And so you have to make it worth their while. Got to be high energy. It's got to be, be challenging energy. with the reporters. Right. Right. Well, and, and there are people <laughs> who are meant for the stage and there are people who aren't. And I mean, I'm sort of used to that world because I come from a world of broadcast yeah. for all my years at NPR. And there are people that just, you know, just, that just, you know, come through the radio or come sort of have the power on the stage to grab people at hello and not let them go. And mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a skill that's totally, you know, you can have an incredible reporter and writer and thinker and great yeah. mind and they can get up on the stage and the world wants to go to bed. Yeah, I always um, say to the, like, not everyone was made to fake enthusiasm. That's right. That's right. And if you're going to be on stage, you got to. You know, I have younger uh, colleagues from the editorial team that I would put on stage and I would say, you know, find your inner Ethel Merman. And they would look at me like, 
who's Ethel Merman? <laughs> you know, and I was just, you know, anyway. So, um, maybe like find your inner Lady Gaga. I find your inner Lady Gaga, right? Like belt it. You know, you got to be bigger than you think you need to be. Yeah. Um, you've got I, programmers, and then you've got operations people because there's the the. The logistics that go into putting on events right. is astounding. It is a details business. Totally. So um, our our logistics team used to be called the logistics team, okay. but we changed the name because it's so it so didn't express the largesse of what they had to do, right? These are the people who find the venues. Uh, they have to understand the editorial deeply. They're dealing with the sponsors and the sponsor activations and what the sponsor, how the sponsor wants to be present. They're dealing with our design team and helping build the set that perfectly captures the essence of what we're trying to do. These are, these, they, you know, sort of the best of them could be working on Broadway, right? They understand mm-hmm. what it takes to put on a show, to create an experience, to have the right, yeah. to have the right food, right? Or to and then other things like you know, you need two bars open, one at the front of the room, one at the back of the totally, room. Totally, right? You open the one at the back of the room later because, like, then people are like, "Oh, wow, there's a second bar." And right, right. And to it. think through, you know, what happens to a speaker or a member of the audience or a sponsor when they walk in the door, you want them to feel like. You want them to have an experience, whatever that experience is. You know, some of the events we produce are sort of have a, you, you know, they may have a cooler quality and some mm-hmm. are more, you know, focused on a medical community and they're different vibes. And, and yes. in some ways you want to create different experiences and it's hard. And so you have our edit team, you have our event management team, which is probably probably one of the hardest jobs there is because you actually have to be everything from a diplomat to a logistics expert to a sort of have a sensibility about design and food and taste and tempo and you know they're Mm -hmm. the people who are picking the music that runs between the segments they're the you know it's a Mm -hmm. really complex job and so to describe it as sort of event people or logistics people actually underestimates the right. power and the intelligence and sophistication that they have. Um, and, you know, coming from the background that I do, I have pure and total admiration. I was a producer, right? So I was. it was both edit, but it was all about production and experience. And then you have our... So in part of the uh, um, event management team, we also have an audience team within that team and their total job is recruiting audience which is of the hard things we do one of the hardest things we do if you don't have the right people in the room you don't have much of an event i always tell our team this like i mean what our audience development or we call them brand development on this side um do is unbelievably important we could put on the absolute best but if we don't have the best like program but if we don't have the right people in the audience the event will fail and audiences can be really, really scary. Like, are they going to come? Like, yeah. is anybody going to, you know, and we, and, and, and. But you collect enough data. That's a good thing about doing 100 events a year. Yeah, you do. But, you know, I mean, what's interesting, a couple of things that make it hard, and it's never easy, and it probably should never be easy, but it's, um, A, we can go into a city that we don't know, and it's a deadlift, right? We are starting from scratch, mm-hmm. understanding who's there, who's relevant to the conversation, and when you're doing a lot of events, you know, you need to give it sort of time and love and research. Um, 
And the other thing is because we're doing so many specific subject matter events, um, you um, you're get, you have to find those expert audiences, right? It's not like the audience who's going to come to future work is the same aud- audience that's going to come to um, education or race and justice, right? Yeah. These are all different groups of people. So you're starting from scratch a lot. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, so what other parts of the team? Is that is that the so main no, parts? That's, uh, so that's two. And then we have a business development team. And in the business de- development team, we have all of our salespeople okay. who go out and... So the people selling other things at the Atlantic are not selling events. So they're, they're, now here's where it gets a little bit complicated, but of course yeah, it every should. Every company Right. So <laughs> we have an events-only sales team. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, we have people who sell... Big media yep. and events, and and are doing more cla- mm. more cross platform sales, and that's new and has been effective. And you know, in part, mm. it's because you want your biggest clients to have sort of the attention of one person and not feel like they have to go. Sure, uh, I've got to talk to this person for this, this person for that, and so we've we we're building up our right. cross platform sales effort, but. It's a specialty. It's a total specialty, and you can't underestimate what a specialty it is. Explain that part. Um, it's not an eyeball sale, right? It's not like it's not like how many people are going to see this. It it is. It's in some ways you can consider it events for sponsors, um, a luxury on top of other kinds of. Sort of advertising efforts, but mm-hmm. more and more, and what I've seen even in the four plus years that I've been at the Atlantic, is that um, for companies to tell their story um, is seen as an imperative, and I've seen it evolve a lot, even in in the short period that mm-hmm. I've been there. They feel like um, just promoting their goods or just promoting their brand isn't enough. They want to be seen in the world as people who are leading thinkers. They don't necessarily want that to be right in the sweet spot of the product they make. They want to be, and it more and more, I think, are doing um, uh, important corporate responsibility work and feel like you know, they think they will do well by doing good. They want to be, they want the glow of an editorial brand mm-hmm. and um, and want to be associated with certain conversations as, and be seen as leading thinkers in that territory. Mm-hmm. So how do you integrate the sponsors in the events and still maintain them to be editorially driven? Because one of the knocks on events, and I've yeah. heard it myself, is that they're pay for play. Um the sponsors drive the agenda more often than not. The sponsors end up on the agenda more often than not. Um, and the only way that you can really serve your sponsors' needs is by compromising the, the sort of editorial integrity of the product. So we actually took a page from our digital colleagues and created on-stage sponsor sessions. Mm-hmm. So there, there, the two, there are two yeah, things that we do, and it's um, and it's working, and we're getting better and better at it, and our sponsors are getting better and better at it, and it's um, it's giving them an opportunity on stage to do a ten minute session, and what we talk about with the people we're working with is this needs to feel like it is 
fits seamlessly within the flow of what else right. is happening on stage. And in the best of worlds, no one like has their dashboard out. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and in the best of worlds, it's like it's people are still, you know, the fear is that the audience will leave, but yeah. the audiences are elastic if what's happening on stage is interesting. Yeah, and um, and you know, so long as and, and and of course, sponsors, while they're obviously there to to for certain purposes, um, they've got a lot of really smart people. And if you put them on stage and you give it the right context mm-hmm. and you have an interesting conversation, it can be very compelling. And we've had some occasions where it's worked brilliantly, other occasions where it hasn't. So you try to um, coach them. We to totally be try to coach them. Yes, to be okay. additive. And and within I the, don't within the recognition is that it is difficult to tell people what to do when they're paying you. No, you know what? It's not because I mean, of course it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be naive about it, but I actually find people enormously grateful yeah. for the guidance. Yes. And they also to a person don't want to do a commercial. Like they get it. Like they're smart Most. and most. Most. I mean, and, and you know, it's it's incumbent on us. I mean, I had one sponsor say to me when I was concerned that the next time they did it on stage that it was better than the last time. And he, and he said, look, this is your show. We will, you mm-hmm. guide us and we will go. We yeah. want it to be as good as you want it to be. And so our, you know, I mean, I actually believe that it, there's a whole job in coaching yeah. that kind of programming. Our content studio here actually sprang out of how, uh, how bad some of the sponsor sessions were many years ago at Digiday, no longer, because it, it came from the simple idea that nobody wants to suck. Like yeah. nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, how do I suck? Right. Um, and, and it was mostly just not understanding, you know, what to do that would be valuable. Right. But both for their purpose and also for the audience. Right, right. Um, so how do you link all this to the broader um, editorial operation at The Atlantic? Because um, I know before I came to Digiday, I was at a publication, and when the events people came around, the, all, the, all the reporters would like hide or pretend yeah. they were on the phone. Well, because, because for the longest time, I think um, events were seen as sort of an arm, uh, sort of a marketing arm, a business arm, and mm-hmm. not editorial. And um, the, the my raison d'etre really was to actually bring a level of editorial um, heft to the the events business and to sort of build connections to the bigger editorial team. And I call it the bigger editorial team because I oversee a business team, I oversee a logistics right. team, and I oversee an, um, uh, um, a, a, an edit team. Um, and the Atlantic, I think because... Um, we were so early at it, and because um, we, we built a reputation for being having a certain standard, there was always a a lot of respect, and our to- a lot of our top editors were always game to participate. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Goldberg, our editor in chief, actually loves it. He that loves makes it. A big difference. He loves it. He believes in it. He is. I think of him as my absolute partner in crime. Um, one of the things that happened when we changed Washington Ideas to the Atlantic Festival is it became ours in you know capital letters. Mm-hmm. And um, what else is that we have? He has a person on his team whose job it is to sort of completely sort of make sure we are in sync. Um, 
many, many, many of our editors now are on stage and we're trying, you know, when Jeffrey is hiring, we're trying to find people who have the magnetism and the command, you know, sort of the mm-hmm. performance to both write beautifully and to be on stage. And so um, there's, uh, and people raise their hand and want to do it. And, you know, mm-hmm. the only danger is Jeffrey's like, I need them to be writing too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but so there's People want to go to Aspen. People want to go to Aspen. And there's a, there's, um, there's a kind, you know, it's sort of stretching what you do and who you are and yeah. your sort of personal I think editorial. people are more into it now as journalists become more like, and I, I'm cringing as I say this, more like aware of their like personal brand or whatnot. Totally. Um, and I think also, if it can be shown that events are a way to amplify right. the brand and to make it make it bigger and better, right. uh, that that's a big difference than, oh, look, display ads are down. We got to make money somehow. Right, right, right. And I think, I mean, this year at the Atlantic Festival was sort of this amazing experience, I think, both for our team and for the wider Atlantic team, because, you know, you walk down F Street and there were these big, beautiful letters, the Atlantic right on the street. And then people were getting their pictures taken on the cover of the Atlantic. I had this, I was walking down the street and this sort of well-dressed, probably 30 something young man stopped me and he said, did you do, do work at the festival? Do you, or do you know anybody that works at the festival? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, (laughs) he said all my friends and by my assumption was that all his friends were, you know, young professionals in Washington are getting their picture taken on the (laughs) cover of the Atlantic. Where can I do that? And so that's just like, there was a kind of pride and awe, I think. I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but there was a kind of excitement and pride um, from everybody at the Atlantic that this was ours, right? And I think, you know, for the people mm-hmm. who write about health or technology or or business, like to be able to go on stage and 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 ply their craft on stage um, with people who they're interested in meeting and talking to is actually very mm-hmm. exciting. So, final thing is it, the events business is getting very crowded. The secret it is? is the secret is out. Yes. There's there's now like a festival every day of the week, right. I- at least in New York, and and most of them are in Brooklyn, um, and uh, it seems like a market that is is getting too crowded. Yeah. Do you get that sense? Oh yeah. I mean, everybody's gotten into the game, um, and it's commoditized, right? It's like it's like how when you think about the news business and how you differentiate yourself, right? If you're not the New York Times. You have to do something that is distinct to you that people will gravitate towards, that they'll mm-hmm. create a daily habit with, that they'll feel like they need it again and again and again. And, you know, not everybody has to do the headlines, right? Not everybody has to do sort of the same thing that everybody else is doing. You maybe need it as a sort of table stakes, but you have to do something that differentiates you. Same thing is true in events. And we have incredible competition for um for sponsorship dollars. We have incredible um, competition for audiences. We have incredible competition for speakers. And um, that's why when people seem to think that it's an easy game, you want, you know, to do it right and to do it well, it is just we're in a constant state of Mm -hmm. sort of improvement, anxiety, pushing ourselves. I mean, we got a staff, you know, it's 50 people, which everybody's like, 
oh my god you have a giant staff but for what we do i mean basically you know people are up all night for too many months of the year yeah and a lot of traveling ton of traveling and you go to most of them i go to most of them that's insane it's pretty insane. <laughs> but I do say, I, I say this here, but I think you could take it back that I say that our competitive advantage here is that we've done so many events that we've committed every atrocity possible at an <laughs> as event. Have, and as that's have our, we. <laughs> and that's our competitive advantage because like, we have competitors that might do three or four events a year so they can commit only like a few atrocities, whereas like we've done them all. Right, right. I think I think we all have. I think we all have. <laughs> okay, Margaret. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Aditi Songle. This is a limited edition series of episodes where we are getting into the weeds of making editorial products that make money. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about product management. Yes, we're going to be going into what it takes to make great digital products. And to do so, we are talking to Paul Ford. He is the CEO at Postlight, and he thinks very deeply about these issues. If you have feedback, uh, send me an email. It is brian at digiday.com or tweet at me. I am at bmrsc. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode.